بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمدی رسولی الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائٹ از دا الیونتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ of the illustrious companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and we're steadily going through the session in which we're taking a glimpse into his awesome worship and the last thing I mentioned was the report in which our beloved messenger said who will take these statements from me to apply them or teach them to the one who will apply them in Tirmidhi Authentic, and I mentioned that this is the rights of knowledge that you acquire the knowledge, you act upon it, and you share that knowledge. So it comes as no surprise to learn that Abu Huraira would often be seen educating and reassuring others in line with the command of the Prophet One should not find this surprising, because I've already mentioned that Abu Huraira himself, he relates that our beloved messenger said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, No one will learn one, two, three, four, or five words from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory. And then having learned them, he thereupon teaches them, but he will then enter paradise. Abu Huraira added, Thus I did not forget any hadith after having heard it from Rasulullah. So this is recorded in Abu Nu'im. Hassan, Targhib number 60. So note again, this is the rights of knowledge, but now the, the reward is mentioned. If you learn five things which are obligatory, you learn them and then you teach them, inshallah that will entitle you to paradise. So look at the great virtue of sharing knowledge. And Abu Huraira added, this is one of the reasons I didn't forget any hadith of the Prophet, meaning I was so eager to share that I had learned. And also, like I mentioned, In Ibn Majah Hassan, Tawheeb number 61, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the best sadaqah is that a Muslim learns knowledge and then teaches it to his Muslim brother. Subhanallah. The best sadaqah is that a Muslim learns knowledge and then teaches it to his Muslim brother. So note, it falls under the umbrella of the greatest sadaqah when you share knowledge And it specifically mentions Muslims, which is usually called tabligh. So another example of his reassuring others. In Sayyid Muslim, number 2635, Ahmad in his Musnad 2-488, Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjar, number 502, Bukhari's Al-Adab al-Mufrad, number 145, Sayyid, Tarheeb, number 1699, Mishqat, number 1752. Khalid al-Abasi Rahmatullah alayhi relates I once said to Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu My son has passed away Another report from Abu Hassan mentions he had lost two sons and I am now grieving Will you not narrate to me a hadith from your beloved friend sallallahu alayhi sallam that would console us with regards to our deceased So stop in the report. So what was the question? So this man from the Tabi'in, he lost either two sons or one son. And look how interesting. 
Who did he go to? He went to Abu Hurairah. And he said to Abu Hurairah, can you narrate anything from the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa that would console us? So Abu Hurairah said, certainly. I heard him sallallahu alayhi wa say, Sigharuhum da'amisul jannah. Your little children are the da'amis of paradise. Yalqa ahaduhum abahu fayakhudu binahiyati thawbihi. When one of them meets his father, he will grasp the edge of his garment. فَلَا يُفَارِقُهُ حَتَّى يُدْخِلَهُ الْجَنَّةِ And will then not let go until he is admitted into paradise. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. So this is, again, like I mentioned, Sayyid Hadith in Sayyid Muslim and other references. So what did Abu Hurairah hear about this matter? He heard the Prophet say, your little children are the da'amis of paradise. Sigharuhum da'amisul jannah. So what does that word mean? He likened little children to da'amis. Da'amis is the plural of da'amus. So the singular for that word in Arabic is da'amus. The Prophet was using the plural, da'amis. Da'amis refers to a black insect that is found on the surface of water. Thus the word could be translated as free roamers. For the child is first of all small and because it will run about very swiftly in paradise. Da'amis also refers to those who frequent the palaces and homes of the rulers without any hindrance. Due to the high position they hold in their eyes, they can thus come and go as they please without even seeking permission. In a like manner, the child will be able to move about in paradise wherever it wishes without being stopped from going anywhere. So again, it's very important to understand the words the Prophet is using. So he said, Your little children are the da'amis of paradise. So what does it mean? So if you look at the meaning, one meaning is it's a very tiny black insect which actually walks on water. It skims water. So how is that linked to a child? It means that similarly the child because it's small, maybe it's also referring to the fetus, the children that die even before they are born. They roam about very swiftly in paradise. It also has the meaning of certain individuals who frequent palaces of the rulers and nobody stops them. So even the guards don't stop them. They just walk in, walk out. They got one-to-one access with the rulers because of their high position. So this also refers to the children. Why? Because in paradise, they can go wherever they wish. Nothing can stop them. So adding that, so what did the Prophet say? Your little children are the da'amis of paradise. When one of them meets his father, he will grasp the edge of his garment and will not let go until he is admitted into paradise. So why? Because these are very special near ones of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they can and they will intercede. And this report mentions the father. But note the report mentions two sons or one son. Either way. 
So the mother is not mentioned in this report. And the reason being because the hadith of the mothers are famous. Right? You know, there's so many reports indicating the rank and the virtue of the mother who loses a child. The father's narrative is not as famous. And not forgetting, the father had asked Abu Huraira. It wasn't a mother. So he gave the exact report which he needed. Indeed, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu just greatly envied the one who had lost two of his children. In Ahmad in his Musnad, 6-396, graded Hassan, Tabarani, Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjar, number 504, Targheem, number 1703. Sayyidina Abu Ta'laba al he said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, two of my children have passed away in Islam. He said, Allah said, He whose two children pass away in Islam, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit him into paradise by virtue of his mercy on the two children. Sayyidina Abu Talaba added, Abu Huraira met me after some time and asked me, Are you the one who asked Rasulullah about two children? I said, yes. He, radiyallahu then said, had he, sallallahu alayhi wa told me the same thing, it would have been more beloved to me than all the treasures of Hims and Palestine. Subhanallah. Had he, sallallahu alayhi wa told me the same thing, it would have been more beloved to me than all the treasures of Hims and Palestine. So let's look at this. So another sahaba, Sayyidina Abu Talaba al-Ashja'i, he lost two children, two of his children in Islam. So the Prophet gave him the great glad tidings. Whoever loses two children in Islam, Allah will admit him into paradise by virtue of his mercy on the two children. So the person, the parent is forgiven. Why? Because Allah's mercy on the children, not on the person, on the children. So Abu Huraira, look how interesting. How quickly did he get to hear this report? So he went to the Sahabi, he goes, are you the one who narrates this? He goes, yes. Now Abu Huraira had not lost two children. What did he say? Had he informed me, it would have been more beloved to me than all the treasures of Hims and Palestine. Now think about that. Hims is a very famous city in Syria. Palestine is Palestine. You know, Masjid al-Aqsa is in Palestine. If I was to say to you, all of the treasure in Palestine and Hims, how much treasure is there? So you're going to think, your guess is as good as mine. You are offered that, or you can have the reward of losing two children. Abu Huraira radiallahu said, I would choose the loss of two children. Meaning, I understand what the Prophet has said here. So think about that. What greater comfort can you give to somebody who's lost, who's lost two of his children, i.e., than the hadith of the Prophet. So now what's interesting, we know people, we know brothers who lost children. One of the brothers that one of the brothers we know is uh, brother Amr. He lost two of his daughters in quick succession. Right? You know, uh, within 18 days. So, what greater comfort can you give than to narrate this report? So, who approached him and told him this? 
He goes, you've got more treasure than the entire Hims and Palestine. Abu Huraira said that. <laughs> but what do we say? Allah ni marzi. Right? You know, stay at the, the obvious. Right? Allah ni marzi. But he's not lost out. You know, he's gained. So Allah Ta'ala honors individuals when he takes their children. Now what's interesting, the Prophet also said, the hadith is in Sayyid Muslim. He asked, which one of your do not have children? Who are, which one of your are childless? So the companion said, Ya Rasulullah, the one who hasn't got children. He goes, you know, we call him childless. The Prophet said, no, he is not really childless. The childless one is the one who has children, but none of them die before puberty. Look at the mindset, right? So the Prophet was saying, let's put it bluntly, you got 10 kids, they're all past the age of puberty. The Prophet said, you're childless. How strange does that sound? I've got 10 kids, what do you mean I'm childless? None of them died. Another person, he's got just one, let's say, one child, and the child dies before puberty. So now technically he's childless. The Prophet goes, no, he's not. He's gained. So the mindset is, you've not lost them. Allah has put them somewhere to benefit you. But note Abu Huraira, he understood what it meant. And he put it into a perspective so we can partially understand. The entire treasure of Hims and Palestine, more beloved, if I lose two children. On the same theme, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, rahmatullahi he said, in Imam Malik's Muwatta number 18, Mishqat number 1689, I offered salah over a child who had never done any wrong behind Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu. I heard him supplicate, Allahum, Allahumma a'idhu min azab al-qabr. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, protect him from the punishment in the grave. So let's look at this. So this is in Imam Malik's Mawatta Mishkat. A child has passed away. And Sayyid said, Rahmatullah never did any wrong. He's masoom. What was the dua Abu Hurlina made in the janazah? Protecting from the punishment of the grave. So a person starts scratching his head. He goes, why would you make a dua for a masoom to be protected from the punishment in the grave? It means you've missed something. So why do you think he made this du'a? Isn't everyone... Uh, no? <laughs> Why everyone gets some sort of torment in the grave, but it's just it's lifted, isn't it? Uh, no? So what will all experience in the grave? The questioning. Questioning? No, not the questioning. So my excuse, the squeezing, the squeezing. There's actually a report, the hadith is in Tabarani authentic. The Prophet said, not even children are spared the squeezing of the grave. So that's something that nobody can, you know, evade. So most of the scholars, they state this dua of Abu Huraira was in reference to that. Allahumma a'ifhu min adhab al-qabr. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, protect him from the punishment in the grave. It is important also to point out it is not obligatory to offer a funeral prayer over a child. 
This is not obligatory. Because our beloved mother Sayyida Aisha had said, Radiyallah, Ibrahim, Radiyallah, Rasulullah's son, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, passed away when he was just 18 months old. Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, did not offer the Salat for him. This is in Abu Dawood, Ahmad and others. Shaykh al-Bani, Rahmatullah, stated Hassan in his Ahqam al-Jana'is, page 104. So look how interesting this is. Rasulullah has lost his son. This is the last year of his life. Just a few months after the Prophet passed away. So you can't even use the argument. This was an early period. This was right at the end. When his beloved son passes away, our beloved mother Aisha said, he didn't offer the prayer for him. There was no janazah. Similarly, Anas who was asked if our beloved messenger وسلم, offered the funeral prayer for his son. And Anas who said, I don't know. In Imam Ahmad's Musnad, and Shaykh al-Bani stated Sahih in Ahqam al-Jana'is, page 104. Shaykh al-Bani therefore commented, had he prayed, وسلم, it would not have been unknown to Anas who served him for 10 years. So look how you know, sincere Anas was. He goes, I don't know, meaning I didn't see it. But he was treading very cautiously. Why? Because just because he hadn't seen it doesn't mean the Prophet did not offer the funeral prayer. But Shaykh al-Bani said, it's impossible because Anas was his personal servant for 10 years. And he mentioned the hadith of Aisha where she categorically said, Rasulullah did not offer the funeral prayer for the child. So now, why then is Janazah offered for children? Because it is permissible to do so. Sayyidina Al-Mughida ibn Shu'bah radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa as for the fetus, the prayer may be performed for it and supplication would be made that its parents be granted forgiveness and mercy. This is in Abu Dawood, Ahmad and others. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated Sahih in Ahqam al-Jana'is, page 73, page 95. So here in this Sahih hadith, in Abu Dawood, the Prophet said, fetus, even a fetus. Because as for the fetus, the prayer may be performed for it. Notice the wording, if you wish. And supplication should be made for the parents, be granted mercy and forgiveness. So there's the wisdom. The janazah prayer is not for the child. <laughs> Some fruitcake start making dua for the child, right? Ya Allah, forgive him. Oh, yes, we wasted. The Prophet told you what you do in the janazah of a child. You made the dua for the parents. And yeah, a lot of people, you know, I don't know what planet they are, they make a dua for the masoom. Ya Allah, forgive the child, elevate its ranks, you know, have mercy upon it. <laughs> and then you think, well, he's going to get that anyway, right? You know, why are you making a useless dua? The Prophet said for the parents, so there's the wisdom. So that's why I think the world over, people now do janazah for the child because we're not as pious as in those blessed. There's no way near. We need every scrap of mercy possible. So what better than to do the janazah? But if somebody says, no, I'm not doing janazah, fine. But I'll tell you straight, you mentioned that now to many people. They'll be thinking, what the heck? Because the sunnahs become strange. You know, the Prophet said, Islam started as something strange. It will end up as something strange. Glad tidings to the strangers. And here's an example. Guaranteed. You say, brother, you know, the child's right. How old was he? He goes, five. Okay, bury him. What do you mean, bury him? 
بولو بہت جنازہ رات تھی گوس جون میں جون جون تو دو جنازہ جنازہ Now you're wrong because you're making something which is not obligatory, obligatory. You need to be aware of that. Mm. And also sometimes there's taklif. You know, a person's lost his son or daughter and you're giving him, you know, taklif now, your janazah, this, that, this, that. Oh, I'm not even in the right frame of mind. But if you encourage them, say, look, the janazah is not for your son or your daughter. It's for you. <laughs> Then maybe he'll think, Then definitely I need that janazah. <laughs> And the imam should make a notice of that. All they bother them is that, that dua. Because you know the dua of the children. Forget about the dua of the children. But they make a dua for the parents. <laughs> dua of the children. Right? You know, so bother them. And also Ibrahim was touching about this. Ibrahim radiyallahu was the last son of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was born. His mother was Maria radiyallahu. So Ibrahim, he is the pride of Egypt. <laughs> Why? Because his lineage goes back to Egypt. Rasulullah's son. So Egypt are very proud. Because we have Rasulullah's son from amongst us. So Ibrahim, the Prophet was, you know, expecting. Think, you know, think about this. Two years before he's passed away. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah Ta'ala blesses him with the son. So logically you're thinking, MashaAllah, Rasulullah is coming to the end of his life. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with the son. So the son would take over the father's, you know, in other words, you know, what greater than the son of Rasulullah? Little did they know that he's in a passageway first. So Rasulullah had to experience it. So now how many children did Rasulullah lose? He lost all his children. Some before puberty, some after puberty. Only Fatima survived. So all of these reports are mentioning, you know, he's the standard, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he lost his son, Ibrahim radiyallahu, first of all, Maria was devastated, the mother. So he comforted her. He goes, don't weep. He goes, our son is now being suckled in paradise. His suckling will be complete in paradise. This is in the Sayyid meaning, you know, Allah has taken him to paradise. So he comforted Maria, radiyallahu. And also, there was an eclipse. So some of the companions, they thought logically maybe, because oh, Allah is showing his, you know, He's offering his condolence to his beloved messenger by way of an eclipse. So the Prophet goes on to the pulpit. He goes, The sun and the moon do not eclipse upon the birth or death of any man. These are signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you see them, offer salat and give sadaqah. So this is in Sayyid Bukhari. So the Prophet negated that. And that also shows he's Rasulullah. Why? Because if he was an imposter, he would have made use of that. He goes, you're right. I am Rasulullah. God showing his condolence. You're absolutely right. But he said, no, this is jahiliyyah. It's got nothing to do with this now. Also, he said something very interesting about Ibrahim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The hadith is in Ibn Majah Sahih. He said, if he had lived, he would have become a prophet. If my son had lived, Ibrahim radiyallahu, he would have become a prophet. So that's a hadith. So how do you interpret it? Your guess is as good as mine. Meaning, it would have caused... You know, a problem. Why? Because it's the son of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's also another report. I don't know how authentic it is. Jibreel came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet was with his son Ibrahim and his grandson Hussein. And he said, the choice is yours. One of them has to leave the world. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam chose his son. He let my grandson live. So that's another report. And Hussein... Even though he was the grandson, look at the grief he had to go through. You know, because of the mischievous political authorities, he ended up getting martyred. 
you know, 50 years after his birth or so. So note again, there's divine wisdom in why these things take place. But the simple fact of the matter is, Allah wanted his beloved to meet his son two months after he passed away. <laughs> so there was only a two-month separation between the honorable son and father's passing. And not forgetting, Ibrahim was Khatija's grandson as well. So obviously Khatija was looking forward and she said, Oh, my grandson's here as well, Ibrahim. Mashallah. Or step-grandson, which is Allah the same, you know, from Fatima. Um, any questions we'll like to ask?